0: Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Gather us in, O oh God. May your Spirit speak to us so that we can share your love with the world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Any of y'all watch any football this weekend? Yeah, I know my team didn't win either. Well, one of them didn't, but. Uh, You know, in watching a lot of football, I also saw a lot of interceptions, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Um, but the truth is it's one of the most horrible things to see when your team does it, but one of the best teams to see when your team gets the interception, right? But now these are, these quarterbacks are world-class athletes, many of them. They know how to throw a ball. To where it's supposed to go, and to the person it's supposed to go to. And so typically, if an interception happens, it's because it's not often because of a mistake. It's because something happens. A lot of times, while they're throwing the ball, they'll get hit. And so the ball won't go where it's supposed to go. And the reason for that is because the person, the quarterback, doesn't follow through. Because a follow-through points the direction of where it's going to go. And I don't care what sport you're playing, follow-through is always important, isn't it? If you're playing golf, the follow-through is just as important as a backswing. If you're, play, if you're bowling, the follow-through is important. Tennis, lacrosse, soccer, you name it, the follow-through is always, always, always important because it sets the direction. But it's not just sports, you see? Because the follow-through in life is also very, very important. And I confess to you today that I am not very good at follow-through. Because you see, in life, when we say we're going to do something, the follow-through is actually doing it, setting that direction. And I can assure you, there's a woman sitting in this room right now who knows for a fact that I am not good with follow through Because she's leaving for school in the morning and says, will you vacuum the house and fold the laundry and maybe pay the bills? And I say, yes, dear, I certainly will. Now let me go back to sleep. And then she'll come home from school and guess what I haven't done? I didn't follow through, right? And it's not just that. I mean, these are the things that keep me up at night. When... I mean, well, let's put it this way. You know, they say that the road to hell is is paved with good intentions. I am going to be driving on a 12-lane highway straight to Hades, okay? Because And it, and it's going to be a nice golden road because of all the things that, that not just that I say that I'm going to do, these plans that I have for myself, right? I mean, like, I have dreams. I'm going to write a book one day. Well, that's really happening. You know, I'm 47 years old, and... Do y'all see my name on any books? No. Why? No follow through. And and so follow through is important because it can set your direction in life. Think about it. I know that there are some people that are wonderful with follow through. And every time they say they're going to do something, they do it. When they put their minds to it, they get it done. But for us normal people, it's not that way. I mean, now, just think for a minute. What would your life be like if you followed through with everything that you said to yourself or others that you were going to do? Where would you be right now? Who would you be with? What would you be doing? Life would look very, very different if we just had a little follow through, wouldn't it? But I promise you that it's something we all struggle with. And I'll give you an example. How many of you have sat in this very room or one like it? And said to yourself, you know that preacher, he's got a good point. I am going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I think I'm going to volunteer for for this. I think I should give more to the church. I I think that I I should help these people out there more. I'm going to forgive this person. And we'll sit in this room and we'll, we'll have all these plans, won't we? And we'll decide we're going to do something. And then Monday rolls around, no follow through. Or is it just me? See I'm pretty sure it's not just me because things like this tend to appear in the Bible and if it's in the Bible it means that you know somebody else might be struggling with this. Now I'm going to do something again this week that is very very un-Lutheran. I'm going to preach from the book of James. I did it last week and I did it this week. And why is that un-Lutheran? Because Martin Luther, our namesake, hated the book of James. In fact, when he was translating it into German from the, from the Greek and the Hebrew, he wanted to leave it out. He, he didn't want to use this book at all, but the other reformers were like, Marty, you can't really just cut books of the Bible out. I mean, you know, we're already struggling with the Catholics as it is. You may want to, you know, move forward with this. So he translated and he put it in the Bible, but he didn't like it. And why didn't he like it? Because for Martin Luther... He struggled mightily with thoughts of inadequacy. And in that day, it was all about what you did. (coughs) It's not COVID. Um, He struggled mightily with, with what he was supposed to do. Because... The, the church in that day would scare people into thinking that if they didn't do the right things, if they didn't give the right way, if they didn't show up at the right time, that God was going to strike them down, that they would spend years and years in purgatory. And so Martin Luther tried to live the absolute perfect life and was so just distraught because he couldn't do it until he stumbled upon Mar- um saint paul's letters to the romans where it said you are justified by grace through faith apart from works but what does it say in james what did we read this morning in the last verse in verse 17 it says so faith by itself if it has no works is dead Well, that sort of flies in the face of everything Martin Luther was trying to say because for him, he was so driven by works and realized that he failed at them so often that he needed good news. The good news that said that it is all on God's action. We are saved by grace because God chooses us and he sent Jesus Christ and nothing can separate us from that love. That is the good news that we proclaim. And that good news is still with us this day and every day. However, fast forward 500 years of hearing that good news, and we've sort of, well, we've started missing something. And I think what we started missing is the follow-through. You see, when we're baptized, we are baptized into the faith. We are given that faith. And the problem is, Faith for many of us has become just something that we have that we hang on the wall. Like a picture that we look at that we take out and, you know, isn't that nice and pretty? But it does nothing. And so I think that we need to hear this message from James. It says, faith without works is dead. But I would reword that. I would say faith without works isn't faith. Because faith in and of itself drives us. To do works, it, it causes us to be the people that God created and calls us to be. That's what faith is. That's what faith does. We don't choose our salvation. God chooses us and through Jesus Christ acts on the cross and through his resurrection, you and I are saved. But we do have a choice as to whether or not we're going to respond and how we're going to respond. We choose discipleship each and every day of our lives. And you and I are people of faith, and therefore we are called to be people of action, people of works. And so what do we do? Well, you know, over the last several weeks, we've had lots of opportunities. Because let's be honest, in this world, the last couple weeks have been pretty rotten, haven't they? I mean, Haiti, poor Haiti, literally poor Haiti. Like, the per capita GDP is 700 and some odd dollars a person a year. That's how much a person um, is worth, basically. How much money they produce in Haiti is $700 and some odd dollars a year. A year. Can you imagine? They, the average pay is $2 a day. We complain about our, our, our average week wage, $2 a day. I read an article that said that if it was bumped up to $5 a day, it would change the life of everyone in Haiti. We won't work for $5 an hour. But now uh, 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 they had an earthquake roll through there. So a country that is already so poor now has to rebuild itself. And then in our own country, we have a hurricane that rolls through. What was it, 16 years to the day that, that Katrina came through? Totally devastated New Orleans. And then the, the rains went all the way north and, and f- happened, flooding happened and, and more people died. Oh, and did I forget to tell you that there's a pandemic going on and our, and, and our schools are just running rampant with this stuff and our people in this community have lost their ever-living minds. So what do we do? Well, look on Facebook, it'll tell you. Thoughts and prayers. That's what we do. Thoughts and prayers. My thoughts and prayers are with you. My thoughts and prayers are with the people of Haiti, right? Y'all have seen that. Well, I've got some comments to make about that. First of all, prayer is powerful. To say that you're praying is not saying that you're not doing anything. It's saying that you're praying and that you're relying on God to do something. And that is doing something. So thoughts and prayers is not meaningless unless it's meaningless. Right? Because how many times have we said, hey, I'm going to pray for you and then we didn't pray for them? It's almost like, how you doing? I'm fine. It's like, well, I'm praying for you. How many times does that happened to us? Let me tell you, it happens to me some, but it used to happen to me a lot until I realized how to overcome that. And here's how you do it. When you say that, you say a prayer right then. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to hit your knees. But right then, right there, you pray. A lot of times I am shaking hands on the way out of church praying. Dear God, bless this person. I mean, it doesn't have to be a long prayer, but pray right then. Because inevitably, unless you have a memory like an elephant, chances are from the time that you tell that person you're going to pray for them to the time it actually happens, you're going to forget. Pray for them. And then, maybe you can write it down and pray for them later. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Expect and understand that sometimes the prayers that you pray are intended to lead you to action. Sometimes the prayers that you pray are intended to lead you to action. There's a woman I know um, who was a member at Pilgrim, or is a member at Pilgrim, and she watched um, 2020 in 1990, and one of the little segments was called Shame of the Nation. And believe it or not, it wasn't about our nation. It was about Romania. This was soon after the Berlin Wall had fallen, and communists had, had fallen with it, And um, the cameras were now in these communities, and they went to an orphanage. And the orphanages were deplorable. I mean, worse than any prison you can imagine. Children were were tied up um, to keep them um, under control. There was sewage on the floor. It was just the most horrible conditions imaginable. And so this woman watched this, and, and she said, that after it was over, she remembered standing at her kitchen sink looking out the window and praying, God, somebody has got to do something about this. And the answer she got was, you are. And so she and her husband went and adopted a child from Romania. Sometimes, the answers to the prayers that we pray is you. Sometimes God is calling us To action. You see, I I, I love these verses because it it rings so true. It says, um, If you, uh, now I have to, um, if a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what good is that? It's all well and good to say, Wow, I really, dear God, please. Make sure this person gets lunch today. What good is that when you could feed them, right? Our faith pushes us to action. That's what faith is. And sometimes the answer to our prayer is you. Which means that, yes, we can be called to give money. I mean, right now, we are lucky because we're part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We have the Disaster um, Response Fund. And 100%, every dollar that we give goes to the disaster that we want it to go to. Because our offering pays the overhead like a lot of other nonprofits, they got to pay overhead too. We don't because our offering pays for that. So when you give to to Hurricane Ida, 100% of that money will go to the people that are suffering because of it. So that's one thing that you can do. But that's the easiest thing. Other things that you can do is you can give your time. Time's a lot more costly for some of us, isn't it? It's harder to give our time than it is our money. It's scarier to give our time than it is our money. But here's the reality. Most important for us to give is to share our gifts. You have certain talents, certain gifts, certain certain skills that you can share in certain situations. And when those situations arise and you're praying for help, God said, Hey, I've already made you for this. Step up and do what you've been called and created to do. At the beginning of the sermon, I asked you to imagine what your life would be like if you followed through with everything that you were called to do, that you said you were going to do. Now stop for a minute and imagine what the world would look like if the church stepped up and did everything that it was called to do. Amen.